I don't know if you can picture this story. Uh, I'm sure you can. A lot of us have been thinking about these stories uh, since we were little kids. But the old priest, like in the church, and all of a sudden an angel shows up. Like, that's got to be nuts. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> I'm an old priest, I guess, been in the church for a long time, and that would just be nuts if an angel showed up. And then the angel puts his hand over the mouth of that priest, and for a long time then, that priest is going to be silent. And then there's a young teenager. Is there any young teenagers in here? Young teenagers, yeah? Yeah, a couple? A couple of us that still act like some young teenagers? Pointing down there, yes, I saw that. Hey, and those of you parents that have kids in here, uh, we just love that your kids are in here. Don't worry if they get loud or whatever. We just love having your kids in here, so it's cool. It's cool. Kids running around, it's totally cool. So anyway. I can't imagine being a teenager and seeing an angel and then hearing this message that the angel gives to this young teenager. Hey, you're going to have a baby and it's going to be God. Can you just picture this scene? I don't, I don't know how this whole thing works. It's just amazing. Both ask a real similar question. How can this be? How can this be? And then Mary finally says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Wow. Such courage of a young teenager. I'm the Lord's servant. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary's not sure what to do. You'd probably not be sure what to do either. So she goes up to her older cousins, Elizabeth's house. And now both women are pregnant. Mary with Jesus, Elizabeth a few months along. Uh, with John the Baptist in her womb. This whole thing is an incredible story. In fact, I think this is one of the most intimate stories in all of the Bible. Mary going up to her friend, cousin Elizabeth's house. These two pregnant women in a hilltop town of Roman-occupied Judea. They are on the cosmic hinge of which the world turns. And they know it in their bodies, they know it in their minds, and they know it in their souls. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child in her womb leaped. 700 years of waiting, you guys. 700 years of longing. 700 years of grieving. And then the greatest gift ever given. I don't know what you talk about with your cousin or what you talk about when you're with family. But I would imagine that Mary and Elizabeth talked a lot in those days. They shared together a lot in those days. Mary talking about her hopes and dreams, maybe talking about her longings for life. Elizabeth talking about what it's like to be old and gray and childless. Maybe the grief of all of that. I was with some friends a few weeks ago, kind of like a Christmas party, but sort of a reunion of sorts. We Hadn't seen each other for a long time. And I was super excited to tell them about my granddaughter. Have I told you guys about my granddaughter? I was so excited to tell these guys about my granddaughter. I had like 900 pictures and I was getting ready to show them all of these pictures. And we started talking about Christmas and celebrations. And the question was asked, what do you want for Christmas? How about this? Tell, ask the person sitting next to you and listen to their answer. What do you want for Christmas? Go ahead. Tell the person sitting next to you. Ask the person sitting next to you their question. What do you want for Christmas? Go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? 
oh, you want that? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Peace and quiet. <laughs> Our conversation that afternoon, uh, we started talking about what we wanted for Christmas. And somehow the conversation turned really deep, really fast. Uh, we're not too dissimilar to the people of the Bible. We too are kind of not exactly sure what's going on sometimes. And we too are longing. And some of us, in fact, are grieving. And the question around our table was asked, for what or whom are you longing? And then the question was asked, for what or whom are you grieving? I was like, man, this is getting deep. I just wanted to show you pictures of my grandkid, you know. <laughs> I won't ask you to tell the person sitting next to you your answer, but for what or whom are you longing? Or for what or whom are you grieving? We said in that conversation, maybe some things that you might be thinking even now. I'm grieving broken relationships. I'm grieving the loss of hopes and dreams, one friend said. <laughs> one friend said, I'm grieving my own frailty and my failures. We kept this conversation going and someone said, I'm longing to live without the weight of this pressure. I'm longing to be seen and known. And then one person said, I'm longing for faith to rise above fear. A couple of moments ago, we began this gathering with this crazy reading from Isaiah 54. It is an extremely personal prophecy, one that will have personal meaning for the people of Israel, but it was also this communal prophecy. It was a prophecy for everyone. It wouldn't just have personal implications, it would have national implications for the people of Israel and really for the entire world. And from that time on, right up until now and into the not yet, the prophecy that we read just a few moments ago would have been prayed, it would have been sung, do not be afraid. For you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace, for you will not be humiliated. Can I just speak that over you this evening? Do not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Do not fear disgrace. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. And he is called God of the earth. And then this line, verse six says, and the Lord will call you back. I'm not sure where you are in your story. Mary and Elizabeth's story went from their own longings and griefs to what has been given, John the Baptist and Jesus. My friends and I continued our conversation to what has been given to us. Our longings and our griefs, we all have them. They have been overcome by what's been given. We have been given hope. Not just any old hope. 
First Peter chapter one, verse three says, we have been given a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. We have been given peace, not just any peace, not just ordinary peace. We get to receive Jesus's peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. And then he reminds us, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's reminding us of the prophecy in Isaiah 54. You don't have to be afraid. And then Jesus, Jesus, the most joyous human being that ever lived on the planet, Jesus said, my joy, yours. And your joy now complete. And then we've been given love. I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus prayed this really amazing prayer. You can find it in John chapter 17. Maybe you could read it later on. It's just this beautiful prayer. And in this prayer, Jesus prays that you would know, that I would know, that the Father loves you just as much as the Father loves Jesus. I don't know if you could wrap your head around this, but the God of all heaven loves you just as much as he loves his son. It's mind blowing to me. You are loved by God with the same measure of love that God the Father loves Jesus. We all live in this broken world and it causes us to long and grieve. And yet in the midst of our brokenness, Jesus comes to freely give to you and to me. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. Doesn't make everything amazingly. It doesn't like cure all things or every heartbreak. He simply invites us to live in his love. And that love changes everything. What are you longing for? What are you grieving in the midst of that, would you hear this invitation from Jesus to receive his hope, his peace, his joy, and most importantly, his love? Our longings and our grief is bound up here, is bound up in healing and wholeness that's only found in Jesus' brokenness. Our salvation comes from his crucifixion. Our life comes because of his death. Our hope because of his hope. Our joy because of his joy. Our peace because of his peace. Our love because of his love that now lives in us and through us. In just a moment, uh, Sonny's going to lead us in a song, a familiar song. And we'd love to invite you to declare and proclaim maybe an old song with new favor and faith. And we want to invite you to take a moment to remember, to remember this story, to remember the most incredible story of all time, how healing and wholeness and holiness was found through brokenness. We want to invite you to come to the table and remember, to remember what Jesus gave for you to live, 
freely and lightly, abundantly and eternally. The last line of the prophecy that we began this gathering with says, the Lord will call you back. The Lord will call you back. Can I just ask you real quick, what would the Lord want to call you back to? What would he be calling you back to? The Lord will call you back. Call you back home. Call you back to your truest self. Call you back to church. Call you back to him. Call you back to him. What is he calling us all back to? He's calling us all back to himself. He's calling you back. Come home. As you sing, as you come to the table to participate in communion with all of your longings and all of your griefs, bring them all back to him and then receive afresh and anew his love, his joy, his peace, his hope, his salvation. Let's pray together. Jesus, we give you praise. We give you praise. Would you help us to respond? Would you help us to receive your invitation to come back? To come back to you. Fully and wholly. To come back to you afresh and anew. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.